Hey, what's up? This is Dwayne Shoots Toys, and you're listening to Toy Photocast. We are storytellers. What's up, you guys? I have a special episode that was requested by Nose Rain and Plastic Action to be released for the public. This originally was a Patreon exclusive, but is now available to listen for free. I really hope you enjoyed it. And this was probably one of my favorite conversations I've had this year. It was so jam-packed with wisdom and insight and fun conversation. We had a lot of laughs and I know you guys are going to enjoy it. So shout out to Jax and Richie for having just a great mentality and outlook on life. I appreciate you guys and enjoy the rest of your day. Peace. Dang, I'm gonna start over. I don't like that. Um, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to this Patreon exclusive interview slash conversation format with Jax and Richie, aka Plastic Action and Nose Rain. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? What's good, man? Guys, I'm so stoked to have you on again. I actually listened to your episode last night, Richie, and I didn't realize how good it was. Like I was, I was going back over it and I was, I knew it was good and I've listened to it a couple of times, but it really hit me how, how quality that episode was. And I was like, man, like this is, this is great. I loved it. There, there are parts where I, I try to go back and listen to it, but then just hearing myself, it was kind of, uh, <laughs> it was kind of cringe to like listen to miss myself on certain oh, parts, man. but yeah. Yeah. And for me, like that was really difficult at first because hearing my voice and, and critiquing my own voice, because I'm super critical about my speaking, you hear every single thing that you're like, oh God, I sound like an idiot. But yeah, it's like exactly. for people that are listening, that they're not even thinking about that. Like that's not even going through their mind. But. I thought about it and I was like, no, I'm kidding. No, that was a great. That <laughs> Jax was a, pretty yeah. much called me out on like every little thing that I got wrong. And I was like, dude. I said, your voice one. cracked a little bit when you were talking about um, Dragon Ball Z. But uh, no, it was, I agree, Dakota. That was a, that was probably one of the best episodes on the, on the podcast. Dude. Dang. You know what's crazy though? I was reading the the actual like title, like the subtitle for it, and I'm not going to get like super deep with this because it's kind of it's kind of like an emotional subject. But like, I wrote the Mamba mentality lives on, and what kind of like gave me chills. I was like, that was before he passed, and I was like, holy crap! That I don't know why I even wrote that. I was like, I don't know. I think it's, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you if you know me or know a little bit about my account and like how it started and all that stuff it's you know kobe is like he's that guy for me he's the guy who when i when i was watching him not only play the game but just getting to know him and becoming more than a fan almost you know of who he was rather than just what he did on the court and that sort of like manifesting i guess into like every thing that i was doing and you know at the time you know i was wanting to be good at toy photography. So like trying to take that mindset and really like apply it to that as well. And so like, yeah, I mean, 
the the fact that that was part of you know sort of like the not the synopsis or whatever but just the description of like the podcast um i mean i i think that makes sense you know because like that is something that we did talk about during that episode too so it is i wasn't trying to like forecast or predict anything i just thought it was interesting right. that's the way it's I all your fault dude it's, no no don't say that i was just like <laughs> i was just, just kind of freaked out a little bit because i was like like did i like somehow know like i don't know like you know how sometimes your brain can go down rabbit trails and you're like thinking like why did i do that like or what do you guys ever have that like that situation come up you're like i remember doing that but like what was my thought process behind that we are technically like a quarter way into 2020 so this is this is the i feel like this is the year that toy photography is going to really take off like it's already taken off but like just real talk like i feel like this is the year it's like gonna break into the mainstream like it already has like with stuff that's going on toy fair um we can talk about that too with mitchell Wu. but what do you guys think it's gonna happen i'm sure you guys already have some predictions but like what do you think just outside of the box is going on in 2020 for toy photographers <laughs> you know like like you said um dakota it's like the way it's started off has been pretty big with the toy fair and what what mitch has done um it's pretty remarkable if you think about it like you know you know i wasn't there and richie was so he can probably speak on it better than i could but from what i've saw from what i've seen is um he was just like his work was everywhere and it took up a lot of space and he was did a lot of stuff with slice i did i say that right slice um, I don't know, slight. dude. Slike, slice. Yeah, you... <laughs> yeah, those uh, those guys that, that ma- those guys that make the dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and just like to be like cutting the ribbon to open up the toy fair with Shaq. I mean, man, that's <laughs> that's freaking huge, right? That man is a giant. He is. I you know I had the pleasure of seeing him play live and. Um, like his foot is like as big as my entire chest. It's like ridiculous. But um yeah. but no, going back to that, it's like that's huge, man. And um I don't know, like what you know, what's in store for twenty twenty. I think it's just gonna continue to grow. And that was a big that was a big piece because it it had like um the people that enjoy toys just see okay there's this community of photographers that create really cool images and it's um it's exciting man what did you think richie what what did you actually see at the toy fair um i saw mitch killing it you know he was uh yeah just just arriving there that morning and sort of seeing him cut uh the the ribbon and sort of kick off toy fair with shack you know, seeing Shaq there, I know I mentioned this to you uh, earlier, but just seeing Shaq there was kind of uh, weird. It just He kind of felt out of place a little bit or whatnot, but um, just, like, seeing him and, and Mitch, like, do that, and, you know, especially Mitch, just because, just like, he's somebody who is in the community, somebody that we interact with, um, and to see him on sort of that stage and at Toy Fair where – you know, you have all these industry people, um, you know, the, the types of toys that we, we like to uh, collect and take photos of and, 
And there's also like people, you know, that we never even heard of. There's people who do like board games, like, um, like card games, like all these different types of, you know, toys that we grew up playing. And, you know, the essentially like being there, you're, you're opening so many doors for yourself, so many opportunities, if that's how you're trying to uh, evolve uh, sort of what you want to do with toy photography, if you want to go into more of that business uh, minded space and, 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 you know, gain clients and uh, make it a career like that, that is a great place to sort of be, in my opinion. And Mitch just having his work, it's having the gallery there, having his stuff in on the cover of uh, the pop insider and yeah, all that stuff is going to help him for sure. And, you know, I'm sure it's going to open a lot of doors for him for sure. Um, and the community, I mean, it just opens up, like it just puts the, the art itself out there. Yeah. Um, because you know, once you, once you have the awareness of like who Mitch is and what he does, it's like, Oh, there, there must be more people that do it out there. And, yeah. You know, you, right. you go on his Instagram and then you look at who he's following and who he's interacting with. And you're like, oh, check it out. Look at this guy, Nose Rain. He's killing it, too. Let right. me follow it, him. Here's the thing, too. It's like this is where I, I uh, commend uh, uh, Mitch. It's essentially, like if you're on Google, right, and you look up toy photographer or toy photography, like his name is going to pop up. He's done yeah. such a great job, I think, of putting his name out there. And, you know, using SEO, uh, like the search engine um, optimization to essentially like get his name out there and to to for anybody looking up toy photography to land on his name. And, you know, yeah, like him being that guy. Essentially. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about branding and, and image, because I think that's something a lot of toy photographers don't really focus on is they focus so much on the art rather than trying to like package themselves. Right. And he, he like you said, it. he does it in such a great way. And he's he's a networker. And that that is what opens up doors uh, nine times out of 10 is just being able to have the network and being able to just shake hands with people and introduce yourself. And so many guys out there and girls that are amazing and killing it on the on the game with their toy photography but they just don't know how to introduce themselves. They don't I know think, how to, you know what I'm saying? How can you guys yeah. like, like for people listening that want to get better at that and that want to like grow like their network, what would you recommend to people listening to how to kind of cultivate that outlook and approach? I think the thing, um, I mean, it sort of depends, right? It's like, what is your outlook? What is your intentions? Like, what are you trying to do um, with toy photography? Like, is it just something that's your hobby that, you know, you do to sort of get away from the stress of life um, and you want it to just be that like, you know, or maybe there are those people who would love to do this for their career or, you know, push sort of the boundaries um, as a lot of these people, you know, in our community sort of have been doing. Um, So if it is the intention of making this your career and, you know, being sort of like you were saying, like, being aware of like your brand and sort of how, how you can be more appealing to brands or working with um, other companies. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely certain things that you could be doing for one, you know, tagging them in your posts and stuff like that. Um, Using, you know, certain hashtags and stuff that they might be able to, you know, see. And those are some of like the basic things, right? Those are some of like the common sense things that, that we would, do to get sort of the attention of like a Hasbro or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also, you know, like 
networking opportunities. Like for instance, you know, not everyone can get into Toy Fair, but certainly like, you know, if you can go to like a Comic-Con or something or find them on like, you know, LinkedIn or whatever it is, there's certainly ways for you to go and find some of these people that are part of these brands or part of the brand team um, that you kind of want to work, work with. So, um, I don't know. I think it's, of course, it's also like about your, your quality and thinking about, um, you know, when you do start thinking about collaborations and sorry, sorry to continue to ramble on a little bit. I'm going to let you guys sort of talk about it too. Um, is, you know, I think they're going to be looking at follower count and you're going to essentially be thinking about, okay, well, how can I like serve these people? And like, why, why would they want me to be sort of part of their team? And why would they want me to be working with them? And sort of you, you kind of have like a different mindset when you're thinking that way, as opposed to just like posting just for the community and stuff like that. Um, that's yeah. great. That's, that is a great point, man. How can you serve that brand or how can you serve that product? And when you look at it from that, that aspect, your, your mind changes to how can I uh, make my account blow up to how can I serve when you're in that attitude of service, then the, they see the value and they're like, oh, okay. Like they're really showing off my, like what it, where, whatever it is, if it's a product or um, maybe it's a uh, just a, a social media account, whatever it is, uh, if you're in that mindset of serving them and giving them the best that you can, that, I mean, that's a great way to start. Agree exactly what both of you guys said. Um, but you, you also have to be open to connecting with people, yeah. you know, cause like, like Richie was saying is like, you know, some people just do it because it's kind of a creative outlet for them and they don't have any desire. But if you are looking to um, expand your brand basically and to get more exposure um, you have to be open to connecting with people and uh, whether it's online or you know for me it's just the best thing has been connecting with people face to face because they get to know who you are and get to kind of feel your energy um, but yeah um I mean, there's, I'm trying to think like what, well, just thinking right off the bat, like this is something that I've noticed both of you guys do is you guys cross platform. Like you guys, both of you have uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and you're, all of you guys are uh, cross platforming. And if I think just to start out uh, doing that and being able to have your reach instead of just strictly doing Instagram, which Instagram is great. And there's a great way to network, but like throwing, throwing your art in all of those different uh, places consume people where they consume news or, or media and they see mm-hmm. that, like that, that, I think that was what you said, Jax, where you actually got the, the feature with ESPN, right? Was, was through Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter, Twitter is a, is a viral making machine um, yeah. because of the power of the retweet, it links back to the original post, no matter how many times it's retweeted. Um, and yeah, cause I, I had mentioned that, uh, the photo that, that did go viral was, it was, um, I think I had like 30 or 40 followers at the time and it just got into the right hands and then they retweeted it and it was probably a few hundred thousand followers that this person retweeted and it blew up from, from that point. 
Yeah. We we gotta we gotta put that photo in like in like the toy photography hall of fame. Yes, <laughs> Dude, let's make one, please. Can we? Is there is there a toy photography hall of fame? If there's not, we need. No, nah, dude. But if if there was, I think that photo for sure should be in there. Just the just to be on ESPN, and that's that's another thing, right? It's it ultimately being on all these different sort of platforms, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is. There's always an audience and there's always a different type of audience on those platforms, right? And so when you're when you're on there and you're trying to you're essentially posting out to people who aren't already following you on Instagram and for you to get a feature on ESPN and to, you know, show your work to all these people who don't know a thing about toy photography, you know, never ever heard of it, but in a, in a way the, the way that you've, you know, sort of constructed the image and your whole plastic baller series it it captivates a different audience and that's why you know that's the other thing if, if we want to go into a little bit about you know gaining followers and something like that right it's it's ultimately you know you can the thing is like we all start in the toy photography community and the toy community in general and we've organically grown just just by connecting and you know dming and commenting on each other's photos and using the sessions um to also do do that but if you're if you're trying to like grow your following it's in my mind you're you're able to do that if you can reach audiences outside of toy photography yeah and that's sure. one I example agree. right it's it's that's so true the basketball community and the sneaker community or like whatever whatever other audiences out there that doesn't know about toy photography and all of a sudden they see your stuff like that's that's going to be a, a new following new people who who will enjoy your work so yeah yeah i agree and and uh to add on top of that like you know depending on your your own content and your own style like you know what it, what is your intention who who are who is the audience mm -hmm. um that you're trying to reach out to and how can you get to them you know i mentioned you know, basketball community. I do a lot of basketball stuff because I love basketball. And um, so I, my intention, like I, I'm very intentional in trying to reach out to people who are highly influential in that community, like NBA stars, um, people that are big on, on YouTube that are, that do basketball content. So, um, so I, that's how I get a bigger following is I, um, let's reach let's out talk about to... that, man. Because like you, you reach out. And how many times do people deny you, like, or not even like, not even see your posts? Like, because I think a lot of people are like, how in the world does he get these these opportunities? But you're like knocking on doors. Like you're like, hey, what's up? <laughs> this, this is what I do. Um, if you're interested, and sometimes they come to you. But like, how many times do like I, I say out of ten, like, do you get just absolutely no reply, or even just they don't even see your your post or your message? Well, what's funny is like I, I need to be better at actually DMing people and doing that because um, uh, I don't do that often. It's more of like if I, for example, uh, I did a post with Dwight Howard, who's on the Lakers, and Danny Green, who's also on the Lakers. Um, I put Danny Green on a Power Ranger and Dwight Howard was Superman. And I, I just tagged them. I didn't like DM them at all and okay. danny green saw it and he reposted in his in his story um so that's kind of how i <laughs> that's what i do is i kind of uh i'll tag um these 
these players, uh, there are times where I have instant message or not instant message, but uh, direct message some players like I've done LeBron and D Wade and some other guys and, you know, no reply. But then there are some where uh, I do get a reply, but I don't think I have a big sample size to like okay. give you like a, 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 a good enough percentage. I would say like for the amount that I have DM people, it's, it's probably 60 to 70%. So I do get a reply. Um, but yeah, it's, it's usually mostly, you know, tagging people in, in my posts. And I think the, to go even deeper with that about sending people a message about working with them, the best way to do that, in my opinion, because I get a lot of messages with my feature page and I know this a lot of feature pages get these messages, people asking them to share their work or just work with them or just take a look at their page. There's a way to do it that doesn't come off uh, needy and doesn't come yeah, off like, for sure. uh, like, yeah. please, 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 please like feature my stuff. It's like nobody wants to see that. Like, first of all, if you have valuable content, people are going to notice that and just respectfully say, hey, I love your account. You know, if you want to check out my work, you know, here's my account. I'd, I'd love to to chat it up with you. Just sending something very respectful and very not like where you're just begging them for uh, a feature or a tag or a mention. Yeah, right. That is so annoying to me. Like, it, I agree. You know what I'm saying? I agree, too. I, um, <laughs> I'll tell you that. something real quick um, to to go on top of that. I uh, I started following this sports photographer her name is cassie athena and i saw her on espn on on a show called the jump and uh really loved her story like super inspiring she started off hustling at you know shooting high school games and now like she's blown up and she's like photographing games from all over the country and doing um personal photos for for guys like lebron and you know, these A-list NBA stars. And um, I ended up DMing her one day and just telling her how inspired I was and how much I respect her work and it would be awesome to do a collaboration. And and she replied back. She's like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I was like, what? She just replied back to me. So that goes back to like what you were saying is like, if you just show respectfully that you're interested in working with them, like who wouldn't want to, right? Like who wouldn't want to work with somebody who's inspired by them, you know? And that's the thing, right? It's, it's also like you, you sort of need to gauge, like if this person's actually going to see your message, like what other things can you do to sort of like reach out to them or, you know, um, like like what an example that Jax did right like um zaire like you did a post for him right Mm -hmm. yeah and so like he's not i mean obviously he's not as big as you know lebron james or Dwayne wade but for him to post something is a direct connection to lebron and lebron did lebron repost or was that d wade uh they both did actually they both did yeah, for, so for that to, to happen, you know, you, you kind of, you know, if you're if you're wanting to DM somebody with 
that kind of uh, reputation or whatever, um, it's going to be tough. Like you, you know, it's you're not going to expect to get a response back a lot of times. Yeah. Right. I mean, because they're probably getting thousands a day, right? So right. they probably yeah. don't even see it. Number one, you, you don't know how many times I DM Kobe, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I I don't doubt it, dude. It's pretty cringe, actually. But um, it was pretty funny at the same time. Awesome. How many times have you DM'd, um, uh, God, what's his name? Finn. What's his real name? Tell me what his John name is. John Boyega. John Boyega. How many, how, many, <laughs> how many times have you DM'd him so far? Dude, I'm pretty sure I only DM'd him once, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, you need to hit him up more because he's, uh, he's following you, bro. Oh, John yeah. is? Yeah, dude. It's yeah, it was crazy. Uh no these way. yeah, I didn't honestly I never I didn't know. I didn't know when he followed me, but uh some of these guys hit me up and were like, Hey, John Boyega is following you, dude. And I was like, What? Yeah, I told you, remember? Yeah, yeah, Jax. Jax told me. Sorry, let me get that straight. Sorry. Let's uh yeah, let's take that out and then re edit re edit it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um yeah, so like uh I love that know, guy. You know, I think I think what crossed my mind at the same time was like, oh shoot, if I if I DM this guy and then maybe he, he maybe he followed me on accident, you know, and then if I DM <laughs> him, he's just gonna unfollow me, so I'm not gonna talk to him. <laughs> oh, so man. like that kind of like comes across my mind, and then uh, and then I was like, you know what, I'm gonna reach out to him, and and you know, Jack sort of motivating me and seeing like you know if if there's something I can do to to send him some of my work or whatever it was. Uh, and yeah, I messaged him, but you know, he didn't, he, I think he saw it, but he didn't reply, dude. So that's crazy. John, man. He probably just forgot. I mean, he's following you for a reason. So, uh, he obviously respects what you do. Um, I would say just do the three strikes rule, <laughs> do a couple more messages. <laughs> say, hey, yeah, John, I, I saw that you saw my life. <laughs> I even though it exactly. says scene on the bottom, I don't know if you really saw my last message, but I would love to send you some of my work so you can show all your friends like Harrison Ford. And <laughs> Right. And that's the thing, dude. It's like if, if that connection or whatever does end up happening, it's like, you know, not to say like, hey, go show my stuff off. But if, you know, if it does, if he does invite somebody over to his house and he does like they do see like it or something and. That just opens up another another few doors, probably. So for sure, man, for sure. Wow. And yeah, I mean, you don't uh, obviously don't want to go into the intention of that. It's just right. more of like, hey, this is my work. I really respect what you do. I hope you enjoy it, kind of thing. And if you happen <laughs> to show your friends, <laughs> then awesome. <laughs> but um, can you show Daisy Ridley, please? Uh, please. <laughs> exactly. Anything that's that's what you need to do. <laughs> Uh, love it she she and and the whole cast and crew of force awakens last jedi and rise of skywalker like i'm i wouldn't say i'm smitten by that crew but like there's some chemistry that is just undeniable i love that cast oh yeah those guys those guys are just oh man i mean make me happy like i can go back i know there's people out there that have differing opinions and everything but um just talking right right off the bat about john boyega like the reason why I like him personally is because he's such a stand-up guy and he's got such a like respect for women and just a uh, 
it's so cool that he's following you, dude. I, I mean, I'm, I'm getting like, kind of like nervous just standing here thinking about him. <laughs> um, for yeah, you. it was, it was crazy to, to think that, you know, he saw my work and decided to follow me and stuff like that. And when, when that ended up, ha- like, I didn't even get to see the notification pop up and get excited about it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's pretty wild. It's weird how, like, thinking how different, like, actors and celebrities use social media because that's probably just a form of uh advertising for their content like whatever they're doing like professionally yeah for sure a lot of people like because different actors and celebrities and and industry people use it for different purposes and i know as they as they as time goes along it's become more uh, legitimized but like I don't even I don't really follow uh, what what John Boyega is doing, but I know there's a lot of like people in Star Wars and Lucasfilm that use uh, use Instagram very sparingly. So like I don't I don't try to like I I one person I like my my dream. This is like just me personally. Like I would love to make a diorama set for the Mandalorian, like one of the seasons, just be like them to hit me up. Like hey, we love your stuff. We know you're a fan of Star Wars. Like we got this one scene. Uh, I know they have people that can do this, but just to, like it's just like my my pipe dream right it's like something i want to do be like hey can we fly you in just make this one set uh for a for a miniature or whatever so i guess to go back and see that happening thanks man (laughs) yeah i guess to uh to to like dive deep into it's like it's not it's not really about uh like just gaining a following just to become famous it's really like the, the whole purpose of gaining a following is if you want to if you want to use this uh, as a business and as a way to propel yourself uh, professionally, that's that's the way to network and to to really grow at, on social media is to to gain a following. It's not yeah. just because you want to become famous. It's famous in itself is a as a empty dream. Um, but when you're using it for a purpose, um, there there's so much more value and so much more meaning whenever you're using this to to pursue a career or you're using it to pursue like for instance like justin bieber was discovered on youtube you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. like who's the, that <laughs> <laughs> jay beebs do you know that jay beebs no nah, i just playing um, you don't know justin bieber yummy song bieber yeah, that, that yummy yummy um is that anyway, a new one i haven't heard that one that's a new one uh, he's got a new uh, album out, dude. oh so does he yeah he's got a whole new album out he's uh i, I this is a that's a fangirl moment for me but I love Justin Bieber. Dude. I mess I with Justin know, Bieber. I don't know why I love Justin Bieber so much, but I do. I can't even describe to you. Like he's not really the type of music I listen to, but he connects and vibes with me. I don't he's know the why. type of music I listen to, for sure. Oh, is he? For sure. Yeah, yeah. I like his music. So me too. I like. Um, I saw like a behind the scenes, just kind of riffing on that for a second. Like he actually uh, had a really tough time with his career, like the last year. Like he got Lyme disease. He contracted Lyme disease and he uh couldn't figure it out for the longest time and people were like like saying he was on meth and just like slamming him like just thinking he's just some crazy i mean he did some drugs yeah, and stuff in his time but he contracted lyme disease and which is i think you get it from like ticks and he dude ticks, his, man. Life. his wife is like you need to get healthy like you you're going to lose your life if you don't get on get straight um and now he's really working on his health and really working on like just his whole his whole career and change. Mm-hmm. He's really changed his trajectory this last year. It's, it's really inspirational. Hopefully he shaves that mustache. So yeah, <laughs> stash, dude. I don't, I don't, approve. I don't approve of that at all. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that, why that's, that's a, popular. 
that's a disease in itself. <laughs> Shave that thing off, brother. You know I mean? Yeah. But going back to going back to what you were saying about uh, you know, following having a following to sort of propel your career, right? I I completely vibe with that because it's you know, it's more than a following. Like that number doesn't actually represent the actual people who would support you, you know? Yeah, true. Like if you're being real about it, because in order to do that, you, you sort of need to build more than a following. It needs to be like an audience, like people who are actually fans of you, yeah. you know, people who are willing to support you. If, if you decide to start a new project, a book, a whatever, like those are the guys, if you do a Kickstarter, those are the people who, you know, it may be like, you know, 10 people, you know, but those are the people who are going to mess with you, you know, and they're going to want to support you and actually do your thing. So it's kind of like finding those people and building a audience or following um, strictly of those types of people who then can in turn support you in whatever ventures, I guess, that you you decide to, to start. So I completely like vibe with that, dude. Yeah. And uh, to to go on top of that, it's, uh, it's putting yourself out there, which, you know, I know it could be really uncomfortable for a lot of people. Uh, I can definitely relate to that because I'm, I have no, no desire to be famous because I am a behind the scenes kind of guy. I don't like to show my face out there. I'm not Mm -hmm. like, I don't, I, I should rephrase that. I'm not exactly comfortable with that yet. Um, like putting myself out there. Um, that's something that I'm working on p- personally. Um, and you know, stuff like this, like the, these, these podcasts are mm-hmm. really helping me out, but like, um, th- you know, the people that like you were saying support, they want to know who you are. They want to be able to relate right. to you. They want to be able to connect with the artist because ultimately mm-hmm. like there's a lot of people that create amazing art out there but if you're um if you're an artist that can like somehow connect with the audience um in in a personal way man people are going to be like i definitely want to support this guy no matter what and they look at the art a lot different too they look right. they, they respect your art even more That's because they have that emotional connection so um that's an that's a that's a huge thing is to put yourself out there and just kind of be vulnerable so that people can see you and relate to you and like get to know you better for sure and to go like one step deeper like with the whole following and social media uh experiment and thing that it's kind of it's it's that we're at a crux right now i feel like in in our generation where like so many people have, have tapped into it and they figured it out and they've been able to uh, share that knowledge with others. And that's what like my kind of mission with the podcast and, and the Patreon and everything is like, I want to be able to give those people out there that really want this to, to either pursue it professionally or even just to get better at their craft and enjoy it more. Um, I want this to be something that people can use where they can propel themselves and like they, they can listen to guys like you and they're like, man, like, okay, that's how they do it. That's the, not necessarily do everything that you do because everyone's got to have their own personality and, and apply themselves to it individually. But like, we're at a crux, man. We're like, it, we're at a point in history never before where you can, if you just put your mind to something, 
the the sky is limitless. Like you can do whatever you want to do. And the thing that gets in people's heads the most is like self-doubt and just being like, you can't do this and paradigm shift, like changing the way you think. Mm-hmm. That is the most important thing. It's like, once you take the, the, the holds off of it and you're like, okay, anything's on the table, like whatever I want to do, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a, uh, art, whether it's, it's collaborating with uh, celebrities, whether it's whatever it may be like, it doesn't, we, we're not telling you like, you have to do it this way or do, uh, what they're doing. But when you look at it as the sky's the limit, what are you a fan of? What are you wanting to do? And really dig deep and ask yourself those questions. Cause you can use this, this material to really propel yourself into something in the stratosphere. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's the thing too. It's like, with social media out there, there's so much more exposure. Um, I mean, and clearly like with the internet, like this day and age, we have access to so much information. And, uh, you know, I think for a lot of people, you know, whether it's behavioral things, like maybe, you know, people right now just want something instant. They don't want to take the time to learn something or whatever it is. But then even, you know, going back to the social media thing, it's like, there's so many people that you can see being successful. And for a lot of people that in a way is like almost discouraging for them too. like, they're like, Oh man, I, I can't believe like, I, you know, I, I want to be there, but I don't see myself being able to get there. And I think um, that's, that's sort of like with, with this whole social media thing, I think, you know, having that kind of kind of exposure just makes it tough for some people too, as opposed to being more inspired. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, they play the comparison game. Um, yeah. And that, you know, that could be deadly. <laughs> you know, you start comparing yourself to somebody who's achieving more. Right. And you, you're like, Oh, I, sh-, you know, I could, I could be there. I feel like my work is as good or maybe even mm-hmm. better. And then you start to like feel bad about yourself, but you should, it's, you should come from more of a mindset of, um, not scarcity, but more of abundance where you're like, Oh man, Richie did this or Hey, Mitch, uh, got on the toy fair. That means I can do that too. Like he, that's like evidence right there. That's like proof that, Hey, you know what? This guy can do it. That means I can do something similar to that. Um, instead of thinking, oh, oh, he did that. Um, and now there's no more room for me to even get into that type of space or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And just to go right off of what you're saying about changing your perspective and changing the way that you view this thing. I've been there, man. I, I am not infallible or like say I'm perfect about this. Cause I'm not, I screw up and I get jealous or like, I'll be like, I have to turn that switch off and to turn that voice off. Cause it'll come, it'll be like, Hey, they're getting these opportunities. And you know, what are you really doing? Whatever the little mm-hmm. voice may be. And you just got to learn how to turn that thing off, just turn it off and just automatically say like what the whole thing about your gratitude journal, it really changes your neurochemistry to be like, okay, what am I grateful for right now? What's going on in my life I can find to be grateful for. And then be having that gratitude that opens up more opportunities because you're not in a, you're not in a mindset of being like, Oh, I don't have this. I don't have that. But you're like, look at what I have. And when you look at it from that, you're like changing it from the scarcity to abundance mindset, because look at what I have, look at the abundance that's in my life. And that, gives people 
more opportunities because you're like, wow, look at this. I'm so grateful. And then when people come and knock on your door or you go knock on their door, like you're already coming from a mindset of abundance and whether or not they want to vibe with you and do things with you and connect with you. I mean, you're, you're not going to lose either way because if they want to do it with you, that's great. You're still coming from that mindset of abundance and you're not going to lose because you're not in a scarcity mindset. It's not going to make or break you if they don't want to work with you. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. Uh, going back to gratitude, it's a game changer it really is. For sure. For sure. That's all I got. <laughs> Sorry. <Mike drop. laughs> well, um, I want to talk about one specific uh, topic just to kind of go deep. Cause I know we've had some really incredible discussions already just talking about like mindset. Let's talk about a specific like <clears throat> practical element that I think would really add some value to everybody listening. I know you guys are just like, you don't, maybe you don't consider yourself this, but I consider you guys like masters of lighting. Um, what would be some practical things to kind of give some people some ideas about how to light your photography and how to maybe some, some tutorials or something to study to be able to light uh, things that the way you guys do it? Um, I guess I can, I can jump off with it first. If you don't yeah. mind, Mr. Jax, go for it. Um, I think honestly, like again, going back to the amount of resources that we have now, like Google, YouTube, whatever it is, there's so many tutorials out there for lighting. And I, I think it sort of depends on the type of learner that you are too. Cause you know, you can watch a video or something like that. It may not stick with you. So I think my recommendation for something um, like lighting, something super crucial, right. For photography. Um, I recommend you honestly just sitting down with your figure and I don't know what kind of light you use, but if you're using something like a small LED, like that's portable, whether it's a gloom cube or uh, a Litchard torch or however you pronounce it, or, or, you know, some, something, some kind of light that's portable. If you're using that, um, I recommend you taking that light and literally like just putting it on either side of the figure and ultimately like seeing and how seeing how that light is interacting off of that figure and you know there's certain things about lighting that you can do to create something more cinematic which you know adds more drama through like shadows and stuff like that and there's you know all different ways that you can really go about um placing your light source light source um um in relation to the figure to sort of create all these different types of looks and like when you're experimenting um, and doing that hands on, you're seeing that actually happen. Like it's important to kind of understand why it's doing that and trying to, um, essentially see, um, yeah, like why, why, why is it that when I put this above the figure that, you know, it's creating this kind of look and stuff like that. And, and once you're comfortable or once you've done it enough, you kind of understand, um, and can essentially like, if you have an idea for a shot and you want it to have this kind of lighting, you, you will know where that light is coming from to sort of recreate or create whatever situation that you're trying to do. So good. I agree, man. Like, I think the key word that, uh, Richie said was experiment. Experiment is huge because that's how you learn. Uh, and that's how mm-hmm. I learned, you know, yep. I started off, uh, when, when I was doing indoor stuff, I started off with a flashlight and like a table lamp. And Mm. I wondered why my photos look crappy. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Um, I could have probably made it look good by um, 
you know, changing camera settings and maybe going a higher shutter. But those, you know, you find that stuff out through experimentation. Um, I, I'm trying to think like if I were to give advice, like some of the thing, like some of the things that I do when I light my subjects is, and, and again, it's, it's not for, it's not going to be relative to every shot that I do. Cause it all depends on, you know, what your scene is and if there's any types of light sources in the scene, but generally speaking, I'll have overhead lighting, uh, over my subjects directly over, uh, the subjects. It, I just like the way it creates shadows and it, it, to me, it just gives it a nice look. Um, and one thing that I always do is I have strong backlights because it, um, just creates a cinematic effect and it'll also give some rim they call it like rim lighting around your mm -hmm. subjects uh, to to make the subject uh separate from the background so like a good example if you have black panther as your subject and you have a dark background and you have strong backlight pointing to black panther's back um that will allow uh, the image to separate. Well, it'll allow Black Panther to separate from the background. So you actually see, you know, Black Panther won't bleed into the background. Yeah. If that makes sense. I think that's called the, is that the infinity? Uh, what, there's a certain actual like technical term whenever you're creating, let's say you have like a black uh, piece of cardboard or, or like a, uh, uh, poster board and you separate the subject a certain distance from that black uh poster board and you light it from it like you said from an angle from behind and that creates the illusion that it's just infinity space and you don't actually see like it, it creates that soft illusion that soft drop off space um and when i learned that technique like i remember it was a couple of years i was like because i'm not shooting with a camera right now i'm shooting my with my cell phone when I was shooting with that, I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Like there's all these little nuanced techniques and, and tricks that you can almost make and make it look like something that's so simple, make it look so, so cinematic and so dramatic and, uh, and effective if you want to uh, specifically tell that that shot that way. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. the advantage of like having a camera and, you know, the lens also comes into play, too. And you're able to like sort of. Uh, trick the viewer because yeah. you know i don't know if i know that specific technique uh dakota but you know there's so many like ways for you to make an indoor scene look like something outdoors just because of the scale mm -hmm. of like what you're shooting you know so that's another thing too it's just indoor photography versus outdoor photography i know um i don't know about you guys what you guys started with did you guys also start with outdoor photography yeah, that's all I did in the beginning because it had the best light source. <laughs> you know, I didn't right. have to worry about lighting. You, the only thing you had to worry about was light moving. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that's that's why I was like so comfortable with outdoors because we had the sun and it's like, dude, that's all we need. And so what was sort of like that uh, um, transition from outdoor to indoor for you guys? Or Dakota, did you, did you say you also do outdoor first? I did. Yeah. I actually started when I was living in Tennessee at the time. I, I had amazing 
uh, opportunity to live on this ranch. And so my wife and I had this little tiny home and we had all of this opportunity for just right outside of our tiny home, like just amazing like locales and, and a little lake and plenty of place to shoot. But I had my cell phone at the time. And so I was just learning how to take photos, learning how I've always loved photography and I've always enjoyed it, but I, I just had no idea what I was doing. So I was trying to maximize my the usage of the camera phone. And you can do a lot with it, just a cell phone. And I was using an iPhone 5 at the time. And I was just taking a lot of portraits, a lot of stuff that's just very, uh, very simple stuff, but it was dramatic enough and it was effective enough uh, to where I could learn, like, I, it, like it, I guess what I'm trying to say is it, it, it sucked me in. Like once I was like, okay, even though I don't have all the equipment, even though like people make excuses and they're like, I don't have this, I don't have that. I was like, just use what you have and, and go out there and just figure it out. And you can learn these simple techniques, even with the simplest of gear. Like you don't have to have all of this stuff to be able to create dramatic lighting or, or, or effective portraiture. Like you can just use, use the things, quit making excuses, go out there and go do it. And that's what helped me a lot. And I'm nowhere where I want to be. Like, I know, like, there's a gap to where I want to be, like with my photography. And that's why I, I'm always thinking about how do I get to that next level? And so like, for me, my thing is saving up for a camera and getting the camera that I want. I don't want to settle for like a middle range camera. I'm setting, I'm, I want to get the one that actually Johnny has. I love that camera, the Sony a7, a7R3. Yeah. Um, and with the, the 90 millimeter, uh, lens which is a thousand dollar lens but man lenses are expensive yeah so that's i love that focal length and i love that that depth of field that you get with that lens and i love the 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 way it makes figures for me personally i love the way it it makes them look at at scale and looks them makes them look so real to me i love that mm -hmm. focal length. um so that's what i want to get i want to shoot with um i won't try to like copy johnny style because i just i love his style but that's just my personal favorite because whenever i was shooting i had a camera i actually had a uh, one that i borrowed and i was using two different like I, I was understanding about lenses so like the difference between a prime lens and a zoom lens for people that don't understand about cameras like a prime lens has a, has a fixed focal length so it's it's able to focus at a specific length and for a zoom lens you're able to zoom in on the subject now i was using a zoom lens to do all my photography because the prime lens was such a short like I think it was like a 50 um, and the zoom lens was able to go like 200 millimeter. And I was just always zooming in, cropping in. I was like, man, it'd be so nice to have like a, a 90. So that's where I'm going with it. But um, to answer your question, yeah, I started out outdoor. And once my progression to indoor, once I started watching behind the scenes of other people out there, they're like making these incredible dioramas. And I was like, man, that just, that to me sells the scene and it makes it so much more inviting when you have a, a set that that looks real that's why i love dioramas i just love being able to get lost in that world and and to be able to disappear into it like you know like it, it feels alive that's what i'm trying to say yeah absolutely and i i, I 100 agree with that whole aspect of you know i think <clears throat> oh sorry uh that whole aspect of um outdoor photography being the sort of gateway to a lot of people's, um, you know, introduction to toy photography. I think because of the access to anybody can just go outside. I mean, I guess kind of depending on where you're, where you are, whether you're in a, like a city or, you know, somewhere that actually has like forests or whatever it is. And I, I want to say that 
even though I was doing, you know, toy photography, just like for fun and being dumb, sort of like with my figures, like on my desk or whatever it was. Um, it wasn't until like, you know, shout out to Kai, Captain Dangerous. It was like seeing her stuff outdoors and, you know, all the, all the green and all the, you know, just the natural light um, on her figures and stuff like made me want to jump in and try it for myself. And I think that's pretty crucial too, right? It's like there's, there's, when you see someone doing something that, um, you know, inspires you, like for what you were saying, you know, Johnny having that specific lens and, you know, everybody um, knows Johnny's work and a lot of people, including myself, were inspired by him. And, you know, seeing the way that he was shooting stuff sort of inspires you to be like, oh man, I would love to get to that level and shoot the 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 way that he does and there's people need to have like some kind of inspiration and th if that's going to propel you to kind of develop in your own way as as a toy photographer like it's so crucial and i think you know specifically for me kai and you know johnny those guys being sort of that that beacon for you know inspiring me to want to want to continue to do it I know he doesn't consider like his whenever I did the interview with him, he doesn't consider his photography cinematic like he doesn't even like qualified or like that's how he describes it himself. But like that's how I might describe his photography as cinematic. Mm -hmm. And that's what that's the stuff that I love the most is like I really love like funny stuff. I love and I love stuff that's all all over the spectrum with photography and toy photography. But for me, I'm such a a movie aficionado and I love film and I love cinema and being able to see a, a toy photography shot that like automatically I don't even know if it's a toy if it's a toy or if it's a, like a screenshot from a movie that's my personal favorite and I want to be able to get to that level because I want to make movies that's my goal like like toy photography for me is not necessarily my end goal it's something I will always do and I will always love but like my end goal is to make film and my, I want to make movies. And so mm. that's why I focus so much on the cinematic aspect. And, and I love like some of my favorite movies are just the epics, you know, Lord of the Ring, uh, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Blade Runner, uh, just really moody cinematic uh, stories that to me, I get lost in and I can just dream and like all it's the world building aspect of it that I love so much. But I want to go back to Jax and let him answer about uh, the question you had, Richie, I'm sorry, I'm going to go off on a tangent. I started to get bored, honestly, with outdoor stuff because I just felt like I was like, I thought the quality was good, but it was just kind of the same thing over again with, but with different characters and maybe a different story. And I was going to the same location, which honestly is an amazing location. Um, Vasquez rocks. I, I don't know. You, you'll if you scroll like to the beginning of my feed, you'll see all those deserty Star Wars e type of locations. But um, like I would go there every weekend um, to shoot, and I just kind of got bored with that. And um, and I knew I kind of sucked at the indoor stuff, and I knew I wanted to step up my lighting game. So that's how I kind of progressed into that. And um, I did a, uh, there was a shot I did for X glue and it was like an indoor shot. It was like an arcade scene. And, um, I thought it turned out okay, but there was a lot of people that loved it. And I was like, oh, okay, so maybe this is something I want to explore more and do more of and, um, start to get some more dioramas. And, you know, I got some 
extreme sets and played around with those and th those are challenging too because of like you don't want to light those too well because if you light them well you'll see all the imperfections like the the cardboard lines and all the seams the bends um and not to like i'm not like putting them down or anything because uh, you know if you look at what i when i produce i use a lot of their stuff in in my shots but um just going back to lighting it's like you can't you 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 can't light the you can't like put a front light on those because <laughs> you'll just you'll just see too much of things that you don't want to really see um for sure what else uh but it's also like when you're when you're using those cardboard cut uh, those pop-ups like it's a lot of convenience like you're able to store it and, it and there's a lot of convenience for different scenes like they have a great uh they have a great application for use like if you're trying to do a massive set and you want like it to be able to build a giant scene like they're perfect for that like they're so amazing like for massive world building because like they have all the buildings and you can do things that really sell a shot where you're not getting a close cropped in shot where you don't see that it that it is cardboard and uh but yeah like it's i think it has its own application versus uh for sure and i and i think like you know if that's going to push somebody to try indoor photography like you know more power to them to to use something affordable and and to have sort of the variety that they provide uh for backgrounds and stuff yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for me, the whole indoor photography thing, like I'm so glad that I decided to challenge myself and actually learn about it because I don't think I would be the photographer I am right now without, you know, making that step. And I think it's important to, you know, if, if there's something out there that's sort of challenging you and making you feel uncomfortable, like that's, you know, I think a lot of times we hear to walk towards something like that because that's just growth right there, you know? You know what challenges me, man, and honestly, I've never done it, is using wires and using, I know you guys use it all the time, but like using wire setups and using different ways to like suspend figures. Like when you did that shot, Jax, with the car suspended in air, I was just like, <laughs> what? Yeah, maybe, uh, Jax, where do you get your wire from? Maybe that's something people, because like, that's a question somebody, like people always ask me, you know, whether it's in my comments or my DMs, they're always asking me like, oh, where can I get? the wires to use and, yeah and my suggestion is usually like to go to you know your craft store like michael's or something like that and to go into like the you know the diy jewelry section and um, just look around like there's different gauges or different types of thickness and strength for for the the wires but um the one that i have i would say isn't that strong and i know a lot of other people use uh stronger wires yeah yeah the um shout out to roger uh gaitan a notorious collector he uh I, I met up with him um a few years back and we met up at vasquez rocks and then uh i didn't i don't think i had any wire and he had some and at the time i was using like this thicker gauge wire i didn't really like it but it worked and mm -hmm. he let me use some of his wire and that was total game changer it's called tie wire and he he uses it in construction so it's it's actually made for like construction so you can get it at home depot um it's i don't know exactly heavy duty it, it doesn't it actually isn't though like oh, it's really? so yeah it's super bendable 
Um, it's so easy to work with and it's, I like it because it's a darker color. So it's easier to edit out when you're doing post. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I get. I got a spool like, man, like three years ago and I still have the same one. So, uh, it's called, again, it's called tie wire and it's made for some kind of construction. When, When you're doing construction, you can get it at, I got mine at home Depot and it was, I, th- I don't even remember what the cost was, but it was super minimal. Do they have like different uh, sizes and thickness and stuff like that? Um, I would think they do, but I don't remember to be honest. Is that what you used to suspend the car? Yes. I actually kind of, uh, did I double that up? I don't know if I don't. Sometimes I'll like, I'll twist it to double to make it thicker, but okay. that's exactly what I used. God, that I had that idea for a year and I just like put it off because I had no idea how I was going to do it. Um, I want there to be more companies to create uh, or produce more like one twelfth scale vehicles, man. Ooh. Like, you know, everyday stuff like that kind of stuff would be amazing. It's so fun to like photograph. And I know, Jax, you, you, you have a bunch of those, not a bunch, but like, you know, a couple. I have a couple. Yeah, I have a I have that car that that's in that shot. It's a GTO a Pontiac, I think 69 GTO and it you know, it's labeled 112 scale, but 112 scale in the car model world is smaller than 112 action figure world. So like so, you know, a lot of my figures a lot of the smaller figures will fit in there. Um but for the most part like they won't fit and you have to like what i do is i pop (laughs) pop the figures in half and i and i'll stick it in so they'll they'll fit right because you don't need to see the legs so it works exactly Um, but you mostly use like the sh figure arts for that kind of stuff right Mm because i I think the scale of sh figure arts whether it's marvel star wars they're they're smaller than the typical american 110 though right yeah they're 110 scale oh are they oh okay yeah they're, they're not 112 who SH SH figure figure arts. Arts. They're one tenth scale. Are they? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Wait, is that right? Is that the right dimension? Uh, They're smaller than one twelve. Um, maybe. Oh, they would be, yeah, they would yeah, be yeah, yeah. One, it is. It is one see. higher than one twelfth. Then or like. Yeah, you're right. I just did it backwards. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, they're not. They're like Japanese uh, scale is different than American scale, and uh, like a Mezco figure, like a. Like a considered to be 112 scale would be standard six inches but like theirs would probably be around maybe an inch or two shorter yeah so um but yeah going back on riffing on the vehicles thing are you guys getting the snow speeder the hasbro black series snow speeder i think eventually i'll get it i haven't pre-ordered it right now and honestly i might pre-order it just because i would love to have that thing in hand and just to see it just seeing it at toy fair it was so cool and you know the the production photos weren't the same as what i was seeing like in person but you know once you you know the customizers out there they're gonna kill it with that and they're gonna put their own spin on it and whatnot and if you just weather it or panel line it a little bit here and there like it's gonna pop and it's gonna be great no no no. i was just gonna say uh I want to do like two or three, like just like different shoe company, like versions. Like, I don't, this is a random thing, but like, I want to do like a Nike themed snow speeder and then like do like an Adidas one. And then oh, do like, that's dope. 
and then just like auction them off, auction them off and like use that money to like build the podcast some more. Like I want to, I'm trying to think of like inventive ways to be able to do some fun stuff for like people that not necessarily do photography, but it's more like art display pieces. Like mm-hmm. in Medicom, there's those bears that like people love and it's not a figure. It's just a statue really. Bear but, bricks. Yeah. The bear bricks thing. I was in a, a shoe concept store the other day that I've never been in in Lexington. It's like, like a hype beast style shoe store. And, uh, it's amazing. It's got some really expensive shoes in there, but they had the Medicom bears in there. And I was like, what is this place? Um, but that's a great idea though, man. Yeah. Like I want to do some like hype beast style, uh, accessories, like with, with the dig of a custom stuff and, and try to like gauge a different audience for just display pieces that are larger, like not one twelve scale, but like a larger, maybe one six or even bigger. And just, just for fun, like just do random limited things. That sounds cool, dude. Don't Thanks, forget man. to send me one. All right. I'll send you one. Sure. <laughs> I'll take uh, one too. Okay. <laughs> I want a plastication. Um, plastication, baby. Plastication. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I've had people um, call me that sometimes. It's, it's funny. I don't, I don't correct them at all. It's just like, oh yeah, it is plastication. I love it. But uh, going back to the snow speeder thing, like I think if if Hasbro in Star Wars like were to understand engage their audience more, like the people who are buying these things, like it's not kids. Like the like like I loved how they did the the Jabba sail barge, and I know it's a it's a big endeavor to like create something that massive and do a limited run. I know personally, uh, just trying to do a small limited run, how hard that is, but like if they could do more vehicles like for star wars or even marvel legends or even just like not even name brand that way you don't have to pay the license but just be like hey this is a 112 scale uh just uh suv you know that's stainless steel and it's got uh it's got die cast parts and i would i would want i would want that like i really want to be able to world build and, and do more things like that but that's a great idea definitely yeah, I would be on board too. Uh, whether it's Hasbro or some other company that decides to do that, that'd be really cool. I just want vehicles. I just yeah. want vehicles. Just bring them. Bring let's it. Just, let's just make them ourselves. How about that one? Well, hey. I was thinking this. The way we could get this done is we need to create a think tank because the toy photographers are like the ones out there that are using these products. And oftentimes the, not always, but like oftentimes the people who are making these products aren't really like, like connected engaged with what we want but like if we created like a think tank where we could like charge for our services being like like this is the product that like you guys got to make like in people i'm guarantee you it would make sales like and create like a almost like a shark tank version of 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 toy photography like products like that would be genius like what do you guys think about that i'm out no i'm just kidding (laughs) i just wanted to say that go ahead sorry you're out no, I think that'd be, I think the need for like everyday stuff, you know, like when we're taking our photos, of course, there's always a character that's the main subject, whether it's like a superhero or whatever. Um, but, you know, I know Dakota, you sort of talked about this on previous podcasts, or maybe it was just in discussion, like on DMs or something, but, you know, having like a, you know, a civilian type or like anything that's, you know, that we can use, whether it's, you know, there's a lot of you know, customizers who are essentially doing that. They're, they're creating, you know, different 
things that you can use in like the city, whether it's like garbage cans, trash bags, uh, crates, um, all these type of things. And I don't know if companies like Hasbro want to sort of do that just because they have different things they need to answer, whether it's a new movie coming out or new show and whatever. Um, but I hundred percent agree that people want to display their figures and stuff and want to set up dioramas and all that using sort of these, these things to build them out. And I would 100% be down to, to buy something like that. Like, again, like a car, vehicle, whatever, but also anything that I can use to build out like my city dioramas or whatever. And maybe, maybe NECA would do something like that too, just because I know they, they've sort of, added like the dio even though it's kind of more of a display shelf but having more diorama pieces and things like that and and maybe having accessory packs or something would be cool right yeah i i personally i love that kind of stuff like those little extras that kind of bring life to a scene and um i'm always looking for little things like that whether it's like food items or Mm -hmm. you know like you were saying trash cans and uh animals raccoons is my favorite raccoons um, baby shout out to raccoons <laughs> shout out to raccoons um, i love raccoons guys and i'm gonna anytime i get a chance i'm gonna put one of those raccoons in my photos <laughs> no doubt well i got one his name is rocket oh and okay never heard of a suit no okay he's a spacefaring no. raccoon right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but going back um uh to what you're saying about you know the whole think tank like I think um, uh, a good idea is to just build it yourself. Like imagine how that would be, right? Like to have your own company to um, just to sell that kind of stuff. Um, You know, it's, you don't have to worry about articulation, (laughs) you know, it's just the item and it's getting it molded and printed and then painted. Um, So, I that's think essentially, that's essentially what I'm doing. I mean, with, exactly. With, I was about my, to say it's like dig a book customs. There you go, man. Um, thanks. I, I, I think for, uh, to, to do it at scale, like you have to do, uh, molds and to be able to get it like in a factory where you're able to, to do these things in, in scale because right. 3d printing is, is awesome and it's amazing and I love it. But like 3d printing has its limitations where, uh, even if you had like a factory of 3d printers going like being able to do molds that's that is the most cost effective way to do it and yeah i would i would love love to get to that point where it'd be just maybe that would be my niche like just doing accessories and just making unique items like i i would love to do that man i would love to just do runs of things and and painted non-painted that way people can buy them painting themselves that's what i'm doing now but like I think to to add more value to people's photos and displays like we got to have stuff like that like people i've seen people on instagram buy a figure just for the bird that came with the figure <laughs> yeah and uh for sure i'm guilty for doing that too like I'll, I'll get something just because the accessory is something that i could use and one example of that was the NECA bob ross like you know like he comes with a paint set and i think yep. Or even, uh, I mean, NECA a lot of times will come with like really cool accessories. So like the Mr. Miyagi and stuff and using those kind of things, uh, it it sort of like inspires you to want to come up with something fun or whatever it is. But 
I 100% agree, dude. Like, I know you're doing more of like Star Wars stuff in your customs, but if if you were to start putting out like little packs of of things, um, you know, everyday accessories, whether it's you know like we were talking about like food stuff or uh, city stuff or whatever it is, I think that would be super successful. You want to know the reason why I haven't is I want to. I am backlogged. Like I, I have so many orders on 3D prints alone, I'm backlogged. So like once I get caught up where I can, I can buy two or three more printers and then I can start like having a dedicated one for just Star Wars accessories or one just for those types of things, because mm-hmm. the print times like is what back backs me up. Like that, uh, that Mandalorian, uh, that little horse, I know it's not a horse, but like this, the uh, blur, what is the color? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the the blur. Um, that thing alone takes 40 mm-hmm. hours to print. So imagine trying to print out like seven of those, like simultaneously. It's just, it, it takes up a lot of time, but mm-hmm. yeah, I would, I would love to do that, man. That, that is some right up my alley. And a lot of people harp on 3d printing saying, Oh, it's the death of crafting. No, dude, it is the beginning and birthplace of imagination. Like, shut up. I'm so tired of that crap. Like, I mean, I don't mean to like get on a, a tangent, but like people that are so closed off towards 3D printing, they've ne- they probably don't even own one. They're just probably bitter that they don't have one. <laughs> yeah, I um, mean, it it opens so many doors, right? Like, I mean, oh, that's yeah. what technology is. A lot of times, it's it's making it like what these toy companies are doing. Like, you can put it in your home. Yeah, exactly. And being able to work with amazing designers that uh, that can bring these things to life because I, I don't know how to 3D render a 3D model yet. I will learn that. But that is something that adds so much value too. It's like you work with different people that you could create so many different opportunities to create a living when you're when you're doing this kind of stuff because I don't want to sit and be sitting, this is just me, but I don't want to be sitting around designing like all these things. Like that's just not my passion. Like I love making them. I love seeing them being created, but like, mm-hmm. my goal is more network, uh, working on art, working on those types of things. Cause everybody has their focus and everybody has their, their passions. But let's just go back to that piece you made, dude. Cause that was like, what probably piece? <laughs> the, the, uh, what was it Michelangelo piece masterpiece? That's the one we're yeah. talking about. It was a masterpiece. It was <laughs> Mikey, dude. That was that's probably my favorite of your shots. Thanks, boss. I appreciate that, man. Let's let's dig in a little deep and dissect that process. That was insane. Uh, sure. I think I think to start off, it's just um. I think the figure of the Bob Ross figure, knowing that that came out and seeing it in the store and being like, oh, snap. It didn't initially trigger that idea for that shot. It was just knowing that this character has a lot of potential to do cool stuff. Once again, going back to the accessories that it has, um, I knew that I could use them eventually. I just wasn't sure how. And, um, you know, I think initial concepts for the idea, it's sort of, had Bob Ross in them. Like I wanted to use him in some way. Um, and I think to keep it in the NECA world or I, I immediately just, you know, thought about the turtles. I thought about uh, like the karate kid and all those, like just, you know, figures that would sort of like fit well in scale with the Bob Ross figure. And I think, you know, it was kind of like ruminating about it a little bit and, and, you know, making sort of that connection with like oh painting like an artist uh 
like who are some famous painters and of course the turtles you know they're all named after renaissance artists and stuff so uh just you know naturally clicked i was like oh michelangelo you know and i think that's the thing too it's like for me when i'm trying to think of like what kind of shots i want to do it's i have like this this filter that i look at through at the world and it's trying to make sort of like these connections like how how can i whether it's a crossover or something that connects directly with this word like word association whatever it ends up being it's it's sort of having that on my mind to kind of like look at stuff differently and to to yeah once again make make a connection and and that's what happened with with the uh that michelangelo piece so once you know once i was like oh, okay cool i'm gonna use michelangelo as as my painter guy um but that that was essentially decided once i i looked at some of like the, the paintings like that these uh artists did and you know this the 16 chapel on the roof you know the whole like adam adam creation of adam um that painting came to mind and i was just seeing that i was like oh like who can these subjects be for this specific you know composition and then you know naturally it was just like okay well i'm gonna have master splinter as god and then you know it just sort of like developed from there and you start to make make those the build up of okay these angels are going to be like the turtles and i think that that's one of that's a process as well like in itself like once you start to get into an idea you're you're like thinking on your feet almost it's like once you're in that process like you you just it just flows like i call that the flow state that's the flow state right there yeah you just kind of like start picking up like what what else can you add to this what else would work here and it was those one fourth uh neca turtles i was like okay cool i'm a i'm a i'm gonna use these guys they're gonna be like the angels or whatever and then you know shredder being the the bad the bad guy or whatever not that adam was but you know it's it's just like finding that connection and trying to make make that piece work and i think initially it was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna somehow do this uh like digitally i guess i'm gonna you know but then i was like okay wait i'm gonna try this practically first i'm gonna actually try to make that painting and you know i wasn't sure how it was gonna work out i just wanted to at least attempt it and sort of construct like each part of it and then you know put it in and do some like compositing work or whatever and put it into the painting itself and erase out you know the original subjects and so that whole thing like i was like this doesn't look that bad like i'm gonna try to work at it and like see if i can make it look like it belongs like with this background and you know, worked on that for a little bit and then, you know, printing it out and, and making it more of like that, the practical element there. I think if you were to look at that image and, uh, you know, you wouldn't maybe necessarily know if I had done that practically. So that's one of the reasons why I'm such a big fan of behind the scenes and showing the whole process is that you can appreciate the, the final image more once you see the whole process of how how the image was created. And then, you know, at the end of that, you're just pretty much like once you have all your pieces, you're just, you know, uh, uh, constructing and, you know, finding the right composition to to help highlight like what you created. So, you know, thinking about the space, making it feel like more of a studio type type of space, whether, you know, you're thinking about the the floor that you're using, you're thinking about the walls. Like I was I was in um, I, I, I did graphic design in college and, you know, we had to take drawing classes and stuff. So 
just kind of going back to that and thinking about what that space felt like. It was, you know, they had wood floors and white walls. And even though there was like paintings and stuff on the wall and all this other stuff, I kind of wanted to give that vibe of a studio. And even thinking about, okay, where, where's the lighting going to come from then? It's going to be, I'm going to pretend it's going to be on like this upper level or whatever. And there's going to be a window and the, the sunlight's going to come through the window and it's going to hit on the painting. And I was just trying to create this vibe. Um, he did it like perfectly dude like the like this the entire balance of the the lighting it's like i don't know it's it feels inviting like like Mm -hmm. i like when i'm looking at the piece it i feel like i'm relaxed on the couch and i'm watching mike michelangelo paint this (laughs) you know it looks so cool, man. Like, a, and just the way that, um, the way the painting turned out, like the little cracks that you made, um, like just the whole design of that was freaking awesome. And, yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of that, the, the cracks and stuff, that was all part of like the original painting and that wasn't necessarily something I, I had designed in there. So, um, kudos to the actual Michelangelo for doing that. <laughs> and maybe no that was probably just some damage on the ceiling right i don't even know but um follow yeah. uh, michelangelo his <laughs> art on uh, at mikey angie <laughs> yeah um but yeah ultimately like you know i think when you sort of set up an image like that you don't it's not like a okay let me take the shot boom it's done you know you kind of have to work with it and there's also like post-processing right and like that's one of my favorite things is editing the photo and trying to find out what what parts of this image are you trying to like highlight and bring more focus to or like doing like stuff like that that i didn't necessarily capture in camera at first um how long did it take you um just curious like from setup all the way through post-processing was it a number of days or i think it was definitely uh at least two days because i know the initial night i remember i think i was having a conversation with you actually on the phone mm-hmm. and i was saying like yeah i'm working on this one photo i'm doing like the first part of it and that's the first part of it was actually creating the painting itself i see um and you know working with my printer um like literally the printer that i have on my desk to make sure that i can get the good quality because i think i was printing on like the back of the paper and i guess it was different and it, it would like the image wasn't coming through very like clear and it wasn't like crisp so once i figured that out and like got it on on the thing i put it on like a foam board and i was like okay i'm gonna cut this out it's gonna kind of look like a canvas um so once i had that i was like okay cool and then um that whole process of like like putting all that together i think it was definitely uh either a night or two so like you know definitely a couple hours to kind of construct a painting print it out cut it out do all that and then the next day i was like okay sweet i have this foundation i kind of know what i'm going to go for and really that that is kind of like up in the air always because it's not always exactly to what i had imagined sometimes it's not there sometimes it turns out to be better than what you imagine right Mm -hmm. um so for that one you know i think making the scene figuring out what all those accessories are going to be in the photo like that stuff is never really like you know thought about initially i think it's always the concept i just want to make sure that this communicates and then filling out the scene 
um, comes like after or during um, like that whole process, right? So uh, it's yeah. like adding toppings to the pizza. Like you, would, you know, like right. you know, like the the you know, foundation. It's exactly. like I want pepperoni and sausage for sure, and it's like, ooh, okay, mushrooms will work here, right? Or sardines or anchovies, dude, because I know those turtles love anchovies. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I'm not sure exactly, like, hour-wise, like, how long all that took getting the shot. But I'm pretty sure it took, like, three three days at least to get the whole thing done, like, editing included. And usually the editing process is, like, um, I I would say that it doesn't take super, super long, you know? I don't know, at least yeah. for me. I mean, it, maybe it does and just time flies, you know, but uh, that's just like one of the parts that I love about this whole process is, you know, trying to get everything in camera the best you can, but then getting it into the post-processing, uh, you, you just see that image like come to life. You bring out the colors and all that stuff because I shoot in raw, so it doesn't look great on camera at first. But, you know, once you put the colors in, you just change the whole dynamic of what that image can be that's when it's like yeah i love this it was fun it's yeah yeah i I love like definitely post-processing is my favorite it also um i don't know like i'm kind of a perfectionist so i end up spending way too much time than i need to Mm -hmm. like i'll 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 see i'll go through a photo and i'll go through the all all the editing and i'm like okay it's done and then i look at it the next day and I start zooming in the stuff mm. and I see, oh man, I need to fix this here or I should add this here. And I go back and three days later, yeah, I'm still working on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you, do you ever relate to that or are you just kind of like, um, I'm done. It looks great. And you kind of move forward. No, I think everything I do is perfect. So I just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, I 100% resonate with that because it's like, even if you walk away from your computer for like an hour and then you go back to it, it just like looks completely different. Like you're just so in there at the moment that you don't really see like all this other stuff that's that's wrong with it or whatever. Um, and in that sense, yeah, I do. But then at the same time, I know for a, like I kind of want to get it out there. You know, I want because my my work has been so like idea driven i there's a part of me that's like oh i want this to get out there i want to be like the first person to kind of get out there and put this out there too so it's i don't know it's like a mixture finding like a balance i guess to to kind of do that and make it you know good enough right and i know there's always going to be something that i missed or like that i'm not happy with but it is what it is and you just move on to the next thing yeah, I think most people just don't see it anyway. Like, I, I remember showing you a piece. I don't know exactly what it was. And I'm like, take a look at these two. And I was like, do you see, like, what I'm seeing? And you're like, I don't see that at all. <laughs> so, so I think, like, the majority, like, they hold on to the concept more than the little details that right. we, like, under a microscope would see. Um and that's what and that's the balance like you talk about balance like i'm trying to find that like okay this is really honestly good enough and i don't need to spend another freaking three hours trying to trying to make it quote unquote perfect 
Yeah, I think everybody has like a different standard too, right? It's like there's certain things that you're going to focus on for your image and, and how you edit. And there's always something that you probably go through, whether it's conscious or not. You're always going through like that, the step by step of, okay, did I, okay, I need to take these wires out. I need to make sure this, I need to take the dirt, like the dust out and all this stuff um, and make sure like, you know, there's certain things that you kind of like go through which is the same for me. I, I try to like go through and um, do like my typical stuff of what I want to do. Um, but like you were saying, I think because you prioritize maybe differently or whatever it is, there's some people who might look at that and not see all that stuff because you've done such a great job and have held yourself up to a certain standard of like what that image needs to be before it's going out that, you know, you might have your very specific details of like, you know, what you could do better. But I think, yeah, like you were saying, a lot of people kind of go goes over their head because they're just mesmerized by what you just created. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Well, um, at this point in the show, man, I want to have one last topic. I think that we tapped into something, uh, Jax, on your episode, man, with, with I think a lot of people connected with and a lot of people messaged me. They're like, I love what you talked about, the flow state. So I, kind of riffing off how Richie was getting there, maybe not even uh, uh, knowingly aware of it. But I, I pulled up this uh, picture on my phone that I, I wanted to use in your episode, but I, had, I wasn't prepared. But the five triggers that I want to talk about for flow. And this is so cool to me because you were using all of these triggers to create that image, maybe not like unknowingly. So like the flow triggers, the first one is risk. Um, so like you have, obviously you have some sort of risk involved whenever you're doing a shot, right? Like you're, there's to some degree, whether it's mental or whether it's physical, whether it's uh, social, there's risk involved. Um, and you want, you want something to be successful. So whenever there's risk, that flow state can be triggered. Second one is novelty. Um, so whenever anything is new or exciting or like you're, you're working with something you've never done before, that triggers flow. So when you were creating that shot, you were trying to come up with something new. You're trying to come up with a different idea and that uh, triggered that flow state as well. Then the third trigger is complexity. So the more complex you got with it, the more you were able to kind of stack on different elements and that triggered the flow. And the fourth is unpredictability, which that's all toy photography is, is unpredictability. Like, I mean, let's be honest, like all of us have an idea of how we want to get to the place we want to be like with, with our shots, but it's like, there's, there's always a level of unpredictableness. Like there's sometimes there's elements you just can't control, whether it's, you're trying to dial in a setting or whether you're trying to learn a new technique that triggers flow. And then the fifth one is pattern recognition and that triggers flow too. So like all of us have a process, right? So all of us have a, a way that we do our setup. So once we, uh, once we're able to kind of understand that and become aware of our process, that can help trigger your flow state too. So people that are wanting to become more creative in your toy photography, those are the five things that you can use and I'll just rename them real quick, which is risk, novelty, complexity, unpredictability, and pattern recognition. And those things, what they do is they turn off your uh, frontal cortex and they, I, I'm, I may be butchering this, but I, what happens is you're not actually like using your conscious brain to think, but you're using what's called your, 
your uh, ultra instinct Goku sense. <laughs> like you're using X knows all about that. Like, oh yeah, you know what I'm I saying? Love Pokemon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you're you're getting out of your own way. That's what I want to say. Like because so that, that's more of the subconscious level, correct? Yes, that is the subconscious level. Like you're getting you're tapping into the subconscious, and that's where the creative like the most creative work can be done when you're getting out of your own way. And like, cause sometimes our conscious brain can question and doubt and al allow uh, creative things to be stifled or, or like to be subdued when you're doubting something. But once you get that out of the way and you're able to just like, yeah, you can create something. Maybe you're not happy with the finished product, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you're not going to keep working on it and keep crafting it. It's almost like with a painter or a sculptor, like when you have a blank canvas or a blank slate and you chisel away till you find out what you're doing. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's what I'm trying to say. Let's, let's riff off that for a minute. Yeah. I, um, I like to say like, you almost have to play like a five-year-old, you know, um, because when you're five, there's absolutely no limitations. There's no, there's really, maybe there's a little brainwashing from environment and your, your parents who have raised you. But like, for the most part, when you're playing, uh, when you're that age, you, anything's possible. And that's kind of how I approach the, uh, when I, when I do photos, it's like anything's possible. There's no limitations on what ideas are out there or what I can do. Um, I just have to, essentially just put my mind to it and then make it happen. You know, whatever images in my head, um, you just have to get into that. You know, you talk about flow state and, um, like a good example for me was that, uh, the, the hovering car, the Superman shot, like I knew that in order to get that shot to happen, I would have to get out of my own way. Like you're saying, like get out of my own way and just start working. And that's what basically what I did. It was like, okay, I'm take, I'm physically grabbing this car. I'm putting it on the table. I know I'm going to need wires. So I'm going to get my wires. I'm going to get my stand and I'm just going to work it like, and, and just try things. And then that's when things start to happen. Solutions start coming out is when you physically make that committed decision to, take action, you know, because if you constantly just could think about it, like you'll never get it done. It's like, man, I can't figure this out. But when you actually start physically working and then getting into that flow, it's like, man, ideas start to come in and then you start, uh, adding, you know, like Richie was saying, like you have the concept already and then you start adding elements that will help bring that, uh, make that scene come alive. Um, that's all I got. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, it's a game. Changer. I love it is, it is, um, getting out of your own way and, and just taking action is, is one thing. One thing that I want to say is you, you, that's, that's the way to, to make things happen is just, um, get out of your own way and just start doing, taking action. I yeah. said that like three times, didn't I? plastic action <laughs> here's the thing too it's like um i know jacks you and i like we both our approaches to have you know idea based slash concept based photography right mm -hmm. is there is there ever times where it's like you're 
you almost like paralyze yourself and you don't get started on something just because it's not been uh sort of grounded in your mind i guess before you start um paralyzed like like you don't go and shoot because you don't have an idea that inspired you to go shoot because like oh if you want to enter in a flow state right it's like you can be inspired by a figure and literally just be posing it around and then maybe something will happen and i don't know if that's is that part of being you know flow state because ultimately how I interpret that a little bit is that you, there is almost like an, an unknown factor and it gets triggered. Like once you're starting to just go and you just, you know, you, you, like you were saying, you need to take action sort of to, you know, whether it's posing, whether it's having that car on the table and looking at it that way. Um, and then all these other ideas start to get triggered by, by that action. Um, yeah, so I I don't know. There's sometimes where I'm like, man, I I want to I want to shoot, but I I want to shoot something that has an idea around it. And I feel like a lot of times that paralyzes me. Not a lot of times, but you know, there's times where it'll paralyze me from even even shooting because I feel like I don't I don't have like an idea ready to go. Yeah, I can relate to that because um I uh, like that that's a huge hurdle for me is cuz I I do like when I'm I want to have an idea in order to start shooting because I just don't want to right start working and then sit there and not come up with something but uh, that's interesting because I might have to try that because I know in the beginning when I was when I was starting off mm-hmm. I would just pick a couple of figures yeah. and be like let's go Same let's here. do something and um, I've gone away from that so uh that's a that's a good that's a good point yeah. um it kind of changed things up and because i do now that you mentioned that man i i do get paralyzed because like if you look at like the amount of posts i do now it's not very not very much um because i everything's concept driven and when i don't have a concept i just don't do anything yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. And I feel like there's all different sorts of factors that come into play too. It's, uh, you know, there's different variables of like whatever's going on in your life, like with your career or whatever it is, there's certain things that have can take you away from just thinking about toy photography all the time. And for me, there was a point where I was like, literally everything I was thinking about all at all times was like, when can I go and shoot? And I think during that time was the most I was producing. Um, and I, I, I can, I can relate with, with the whole, you know, infrequency or, or whatever, not being, not posting as often because, you know, you do kind of get away from like how we sort of approached it in the very beginning when you were just excited that this figure was coming out, like for the black series or whatever it was. And you, you love star Wars. So you just want to go and shoot this figure in whatever setting. Right. And, and, there may not be an idea around it, but you're at least shooting and you're still having fun with it. So I think, you know, that was something that I, I, I guess realized, or it came back into my, my mind. Cause I felt like I wasn't shooting like, you know, like I have so many figures, like even though I'm picking up new stuff, I'm not shooting them all the time because I feel like I don't have an idea for them. And I want to sort of get away from that a little bit just so that I can, you know, just, you know, still enjoy, enjoy those figures. Right. You know what, you know, what helps me with that? Um, 
and this is just for me because I don't really shoot conceptually. I, I think I, because I'm, I come from the opposite spectrum where like you guys are all concept driven and mine's more just like art driven, like just like striking image, just like almost mm-hmm. like I want to evoke a story and I want to evoke emotion with that. But like um, what helps with me, just, just for me is whenever I look up, like for instance, if I want to shoot Batman or if I want to shoot a figure, and you have that emotion, like like just tap into whatever emotion that you're feeling at the moment, even if it's nothing, like you don't have a specific emotion. Think of how that can relate uh, to a specific figure and what they would be feeling and what they would be doing if they felt that emotion. And then another thing that helps me is looking up concept art for movies. That triggers me for some reason. I get, even if I don't even use anything like specifically, but just looking up like comic art, comic book uh like black and white always really helped me to like think mm. outside the box i look up um but yeah that, that's just me yeah i mean i'm usually torn right it's like i i also want to produce stuff that is different and out there that you know that you don't see as often too so like in that sense i do treat each each photo as like a piece of art or like you know something like that so i'm not like you know upset that i'm posting and taking care of like each photo the way that i am because um yeah but it's just like i know sometimes in my mind it kind of comes in and like man i haven't shot that figure but i like that figure a lot you know so i want to get away from just like being like okay i just need to post like these concept type of photos even though i think they they perform well and all that stuff too and i and i love like you know i think that's that's part of the reason why I, I like that approach with the whole concept thing. It's like super challenging for me to kind of come up with like that next thing. Yeah. Um, and I like that. Um, but then, you know, yeah. Well, to get to the next level, I think for all of us, like you're just the fact that you're aware of it. I think that's the main thing. Like I, I'm very aware of my current state and limitations that I've maybe put on myself or whatever it is and it's like you know where you want to be and know what you want to do it's like just having that awareness it's like then you can go because like like the thing you did with your progression with going from outdoors to indoor and now you're like thinking okay maybe maybe i still want to do concept stuff but i want to also do different uh uh, inspirational you know having a different inspiration for the photos and that's that's to get out of that that next level it's like that's the mamba mentality honestly man it's just always progressing always getting always getting different Kobe. Kobe yes sir yeah for sure um you have anything to say about that Jax what's that the mama mentality yeah or Which just is, just growing like always progressing and stuff yeah and like you said awareness is key you know you always like to be self-aware that's how that's how you grow because if you're not aware of it you're just gonna kind of stand still but um i'm always just looking to become better at everything you know like i i know for me like the moment i feel when i start getting bored it's like okay i need to start adding something to my arsenal because you know that i don't want to i don't want to be i want to i don't want it to feel like like autopilot um because that's when it starts to feel almost like work you know yeah i just want it to be i just want to keep having fun Mm. and i want to continue to grow and learn more things yeah 
I think the main thing is to ask yourself, like, why am I doing this? Is yeah. am I doing this like for, uh, am I doing this for maybe the wrong reasons? Like, am I sh like setting up a shot? Like, why am I doing this? And as creative artists, like we all of us have to find that balance. Like, it's like, why am I making this? And once you have, once you find your, your why, then that just helps so much. It's like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this for maybe motivations that aren't pure? Like sometimes, yeah, I think all of us struggle with that. It's like, am I, am I, am I doing it just for art's sake? Am I, is my motivation pure where I'm just making something to make it? And even then that's like, can be discussed about what is pure, like when you're making something that's artistic. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think I think it is important to to once again be aware of your motivations and, and stuff like that, and to you know if if there is anything that's sort of discouraging you, making you frustrated or upset about why you're doing it, I think it's important to kind of take a step back and analyze and have a little um, just yeah, just pr pretty much like figure out what that is and and try to tackle it and. Um, see what solutions there are to kind of get back to making you want to do it for why you love it. Um, if that was like the whole point in the beginning. And yeah. I feel like if, if your if your approach is, you know, the reason why you're doing it is because it brings you joy. I think mm -hmm. that is just going to propel you no matter what you're doing, you know, like whether it's toy photography or sports or whatever it is, like if you have that passion, motivation and, to not only because you enjoy it, but like you want to see yourself improve and be better um, every day. And that's that's sort of the thing to look forward to, too, because it's like there's so many things that you could be learning out there. There's so many other uh, techniques that you can apply to your your current work that, you know, will make it more exciting, too. So yeah. it's always trying to find and narrow down some of those things of what makes it what what resonates with you and how you can apply it to your work to get it to a place where or you're happy with it. Um, but I don't think there's ever going to be a, a time where you're just like completely happy with, with your work. I think, I think there's always going to be room for improvement and there's always some other new thing that's going to come out and you're going to want to try it and see how it applies to your craft. And in, in our case being toy photography. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Like dissatisfaction is healthy and it puts you in a creative state. Um, so, I don't know, man, like you, you touched on the word happiness and joy. It's like, that's, that's what you got to shoot for. Like do stuff that makes you happy and joyful because it will, it will show, it will show in your art, you know, mm -hmm. and don't do it. Cause like, Ooh, I think this is going to go viral and mm -hmm. get a lot of likes because if it doesn't, then you're just going to be disappointed. Right. Like, yeah. Right, you, you go in saying, "Oh, okay, I think this one's gonna get 10k likes, and it's probably gonna go viral because it's such an amazing concept." Then you're gonna be, and if it doesn't, most likely it won't. It's just gonna, you're just gonna be disappointed. But if you're creating something that, oh man, this is, man, I can't wait to work on this because it's gonna be fun. I think people are gonna laugh at it. Um, I'm already laughing at it. Uh, it looks great already on camera. I can't wait to go into post-processing and enhance it. Um, it's just going to uh, be so much more fulfilling than to have, you know, those empty things that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. I love it. I love it. 
It's just, okay. yeah, dude, it's enjoying that whole process, right? And I think a lot of times that's the thing that I look back on. It's like, how did I get from this place to this final image? And then, you know, you the, the thing that's so great is that you can continue to do that with so many different figures. Like, there's so many different types of shots that you can be doing, whether you're a fan of Funko Pops, whether you're you're shooting hot toys, whatever it is, like, you're, you're approaching your subject matter in in a way that's unique to that figure too and so learning so many different you know processes or processes or whatever um i think that's also super enjoyable and if you're able to enjoy enjoy that aspect of it i think um you're you should be in a good place to be honest it's perfect man i mean i i don't know a better place to end it than right there i think i think the mic has been dropped so many times it's probably it's been blown up in the smithereens um mamba out mamba out dude okay guys let everybody know if they don't know already most likely they do but if they don't know how to connect with you guys on social media and uh yeah we'll, we'll close it out all right this is jackson you can follow me on instagram at plastic action did you practice that dude that sounded so good that was great Damn, that's my radio right, voice. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna even attempt to do that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you can find me on uh, Instagram uh, at Nose Rain. Um, that's N O S E Rain. If you guys do not know, I know some people pronounce it wrong. But uh, yeah, like what? Um, what do they say? They say like, no Serain. No, I don't know why they add like an accent to it. But I swear, I was at Toy Fair and this one um, person like pronounced it all like like that and i was like interesting but no it's it's no drain um but yeah uh i'm also on twitter <laughs> i'm also on twitter and facebook but uh most of my stuff is on instagram you can you can catch me on there colby yes and you can also find me at dagaba underscore days you can find toy photocast of course you're subscribed to patreon already so you know where to find us guys thank you so much for listening we're gonna be bringing more content like this that's gonna add value to you so i appreciate you listening i appreciate your patronage and guys remember we are storytellers bye peace peace guys bye And as always, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Toy Photocast. I got to give a shout out to my hardcore Patreon supporters, Steve Bank, Scott Blind, and Jordan Dodrill. Check out Patreon if you want to get some content early. And also we have exclusive audio listening material for you on there as well. Thank you so much and have a great day. Peace.